This is the legendary Tom DeFalco, and you're listening to Superior Spider Talk. Welcome to the Superior Spider Talk. My name is Dan Gavazdan, and I'm the editor of GrindMyReels.com. And I'm Mark Chinacchio, the editor of the Chasing Amazing blog. Thanks for joining us for the 10th episode of Superior Spider Talk. We hope you enjoy this podcast and that it provides an intelligent conversation between two fans and primarily collectors as we hope to look at the Spider-Man comic universe in a bit of a bigger picture. Yep, and episode 10 is yet another special Superior Spider Talk and Friends edition and is one of the five podcasts we will be releasing over the next week, which includes interviews from the Connecticut Comic-Con event that we all attended on August 24th. Uh, so far, you should have already heard our interviews with J.M. DiMatteis and Mark Bagley. Um, we also talked to Tom DeFalco, Tanny Figueroff, and Jim Salakrup. Uh In this episode, we will share our interview with the legendary Tom DeFalco, former Marvel editor-in-chief and a longtime writer on multiple Spider-Man titles, so many from the 80s, the 90s, the 2000s. Uh, he wrote Hobgoblin. He wrote The Clone Saga. Uh, this guy did it all. Uh, and he's also responsible for the cult hit Spider-Girl. If you want to skip to a specific section, just use the chapter selection arrows on your player. Although, again, I'm not really sure why you would desire to do so. Don't um, skip the chapters. Come on. Yeah, yeah. I mean... <laughs> I'm going to put it in there for you to, to play around with, but that doesn't mean you have to use it. I mean, uh, uh, anyway, also, if you hear this sound, please check out your iOS device for a link to an article, video or image that's going to enhance your listening experience. You can also email us any comments or questions you have regarding this podcast to superior spider talk at gmail.com or visit us on our Facebook page at facebook.com slash superior spider talk. And boy, oh boy, Dan, do I love our Facebook page. Do you, you, Mark? Well, why don't you marry it? Well, you know, I'll marry it just as soon as people come and check it out because that's where you find us, where we're putting up articles that we've written in between shows, uh, lets us know where to get in touch with us, uh, all these wonderful things about how to to really stay close in touch with Dan and I on social media. Um, So Facebook, that is facebook.com slash superior spider talk so make sure you like us at that page and also don't forget to rate and review us on itunes and then mark i'm gonna get your marriage annulled by (laughs) mephisto oh yes and and we will all do it in order to save my elderly aunt his amazing friends, Iceman and Firestar. Why don't you tell us a little bit about uh, what it was like to meet the legendary Tom DeFalco? Well, I didn't have the direct pleasure of interviewing him like you did. I was lurking in the background. Um, yeah. But meeting Tom was really interesting. He, we met him right after doing our interview with uh, J.M.D. DeMatteis. And, yeah, he was, he was dropping off some videos for him, right? Yeah, and he borrowed some comics. So uh, yeah. <laughs> it's nice to see that they have an ongoing friendship and um, 
or at least acquaintance. So it seemed very friendly. And, and, and Tom gave us a, uh, a kind of a hard time initially, um, and we weren't sure really how to, how to approach him, uh, like whether he was going to be uh, like, uh, open to us or, or not. Uh, but how did it end up, Mark? I thought it ended up pretty good, although there was definitely some awkwardness in the beginning there when we were I was talking to him about Chasing Amazing and the fact that we were collectors. And I was like, well, you know, I'm, I'm X number of issues away. And, and you were like, well, I'm this many, but I count the annuals. And he was like, you don't count the annuals? Whatever, man. And I'm just like, oh, boy. <laughs> I, was, I was vindicated, Mark. I felt – I immediately felt a kinship with Tom DeFalco in that he uh, validated my collection as being more complete than yours. Well, you know what? He, he's just coming at it from the editor-in-chief perspective. He just wants you to buy as many titles as possible. So what so. you're trying to say is I'm a sucker. There you go. One born every minute, and oh, you're, you're, you're the one. So why don't we let Tom take it away? All right, Mark Chinacchio back here at uh, Connecticut Comic-Con with Tom DeFalco here, uh, who uh, former editor-in-chief at Marvel, also uh, wrote many long and historic runs on Amazing Spider-Man and Spectacular Spider-Man. Thanks for joining us, Tom. Um, first thing I actually wanted to ask you about was um, your your first issue on ASM was uh, taking over for Stern's uh, Hobgoblin arc. And, you know, there was, the, Stern has talked about in the past about, you know, the identity of the Hobgoblin. There was the Hobgoblin Lives uh, a miniseries that came out in the 90s. Um, what, what were some of the challenges in taking over that storyline and then kind of putting your own stamp on the direction of who was the, uh, the character underneath the mask? Well, um, when Roger Stern first started with the Hobgoblin, I happened to be the editor of Amazing Spider-Man. So, uh, you know, originally the Hobgoblin was not going to be a mystery. Um, but we decided it would be a mystery. And uh, I, I said to Roger, okay, well, it'll be a mystery. And Roger said, I'm not going to tell you who I'm thinking of. And I said, fine, but I'm going to keep a list of suspects um, and I'm going to cross them off as, as, as they're gone so that when you're ready to tell me who it is, we'll, we'll see, we'll, we'll see what it, you know, whether or not I agree with you. Um, I have a, 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 a small connection to, uh, mystery books and novels and that sort of stuff in, in another world. So, uh, I'm familiar with how the mystery genre works and, you know, we went from there. Now, at one point, uh, Roger decided to leave Amazing Spider-Man. Uh, Danny Fingeroth invited me on the book. Uh, I wasn't sure I could do it. Then he said, well, why don't you script the first couple of issues of Roger's stuff, and, and we'll see. Um, once it was decided that I would do it, I said to Roger, okay, who did you think the Hobgoblin was? And he told me who it was, and I said, uh, you know, his, his idea was it was uh, Roger Kingsley, the evil twin. And I said, evil twin? You've got to be kidding me. <laughs> he said, okay. I said, I, I, I may go in another direction. And, and then from then on, I had a, a, a whole other direction in mind. And, and what Peter David eventually revealed, was that the direction you were going? I mean, were you thinking Ned Leeds the whole time? Or? Absolutely not. Ned Leeds, Ned Leeds was uh, you know, what I, I figured as, as the main red herring. Ned Leeds had, you know, 
you know, he, he was only good as far as I was concerned um, as a red herring. And were you were you involved uh, on the back ends of the with that that Spider-Man Wolverine one shot that Owsley did? Um, no, and that killed Ned. Okay. No, no. That's so were, you, were you surprised when when he kills Ned in that? Or I mean, well, actually, a week before that came out, Jim Owsley, who was the editor of Spider-Man, decided to fire me uh, from Spider-Man because because he because he knew I would kill him right. uh, if I was on Amazing when that came out. So, gotcha. Who who were you thinking of? Instead of Ned, who, is, who did you have in mind for, for the killer? Um, I'm trying to think of his name now. Oh, the photographer? No. Oh, okay. No, 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 no. Okay. No. Uh, the hobgoblin was going to be uh, uh, Richard Fisk. Uh, and... Um, I was going to use Kingsley as the uh, Rose. Okay. That's cool. That's it. I did not know that. Um, now, now, at one point, um, and this is why Peter David thought thought uh, I, I was going to use uh, um, uh, what's his name? Ned. Ned. Uh, Owsley had a meeting. Um, we're, we're all in, in, in the room together. Uh, he was always angry at me because I wouldn't tell him who the hobgoblin was. And um, he, he, we had a Spider-Man thing, and we had uh, three fanzine guys, uh, Comic Journal, a couple of other fanzines there. And Owsley said to me, so who is the hobgoblin? And I said, I'm not going to mention it now because you got fake guys from the fanzines here. <laughs> so he asked those three guys to leave the room. So they walked outside. And I knew that their ears were against the, the thing. And he says, so who's the hobgoblin? You got to tell me now or you're fired. You got to tell me now or you're fired. And I said, uh, and Ron Friends, I, uh, so was sketching. And I said, uh, it's Ned Leeds. And, and I remember Ron pausing in the middle of a sketch and looked at me and then put his head down and went back to the sketch. Because <laughs> I didn't trust uh, Jim Owsley. Uh, and that later proved to be a wise choice. <laughs> um, now, just to kind of get off Hog Album for a second, but to talk about your... Um the creations you did with, with friends, with Ron Friends. I, I my, my own opinion, interpretation of it is I always felt that it was kind of a return to the, the Dicko Lee era, even just how like tightly plotted a lot of the pages were. Like I remember looking at the um, the Mary Jane origin story that you guys worked on, I think it was two fifty nine, where it was like, you know, you had like the nine panels on the page and it was just it was just very tightly plotted. It reminded me a lot of like those first thirty eight issues of Spider Man. And I mean was that intentional or am I just we the conclusions in terms of like the, the style you were going for? I mean, were you trying to go back to those old stories? Well, yeah. What we were trying to do was try to evoke the spirit of those old stories. And, um, you know, and yet with, with at, at that time, the modern sensibilities, because I, I thought that, you know, I thought, you know, the Obviously, Stan had created Spider-Man. You know, he was the great Spider-Man writer. And then after Stan, I, you know, I really loved what Roger Stern had done. I was a big Roger Stern fan, Roger Stern geek. I still am. 
Um, and I wanted to try to have some of the Stanley, Steve Ditko kind of tight plotting with the Roger Stern kind of cool dialogue. Um, you know, and unfortunately, I was neither. You know, I was not as good as a plotter as Stanley and Steve Ditko, nor as a good dialogue writer as Roger Stern. But I think it, it came out. I think know, it holds up. Yeah. It, you know, it was the best we could do. Yeah. Um, now, the other, the other really momentous thing to come out in that first run was the black costume. Now, I know you were editor during Secret Wars, right? I, I, I was the editor of Secret Wars. Um, so. What were, I mean, what were, what were the intentions for the costume? I mean, was it? I mean, I know besides selling the action figures. Uh, I mean, did no, 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 no. <laughs> uh, the action figures had nothing to do with the costume. Okay. okay. You know, a, a, a year or two earlier, somebody had sent Shooter a story um, in which Spider-Man gets a new costume, um, and the story did. Shooter bought it, bought the plot because he liked the idea of Spider-Man getting a new costume, but the actual story didn't work because the story basically the, the new costume gave Spider-Man, you know, you know he can stick to walls now, but now he can stick 25% better. He, you know, he's fast now, but now he's 25% faster, and it was like all these things that, you you know, when you looked at it, you tried to say, wait a minute, this is a comic book. Either he can stick to walls, he can't stick to walls. You can't stick faster. <laughs> so when I tried to get, get an actual story out of the guy, it just didn't work. Right. And, you know, some, some guys have a, think that an idea is all you need, but, but an idea is just part of it. And, 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 and really, in comic books, you burn up ten ideas on one page anyway. Right. Um, so... When, shoot, when, when Secret Wars was coming, Shooter said, we need to have a, a number of things to show people why Secret Wars is important. And why do we have to show this? Because Secret Wars, by everybody in the industry, was a toy book. It was, it was like a Micronauts. It was like a ROM. It was a toy book. So, you know, or, or it was going to sell like a Contest of Champions. So, so nobody in the industry thought it was going to sell. So Shooter's trying to come up with all these gimmicks on how to make it sell. So, you know, the, the, the Hulk is going to come back crippled. Spider-Man's going to come back in a new costume. The She-Hulk's going to be in the Fantastic Four. All, all these whole bunch of new gimmicks. So the word got out that Spider-Man was going to get a new costume. And we started getting... Bags of hate mail. <laughs> Bags of hate mail. And Shooter came, came in to me and he says, when does Spider-Man get the new costume? I said, uh, I'm going to probably mess up the number. Say, 259. He says, okay, 260, get rid of the costume. <laughs> and I said, Jim, Jim, we can't do that. I said, we, we have to at least wait until... He gets it in Secret Wars before we get rid of it in the, in the, in the, in the you know, in the, in the series. And, and, and Shooter and I had a big argument, big discussion, and finally said, okay, okay, okay. You know, you, you know somehow or other, you have to make it work. Um, and uh, so we 
worked out as a story that 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 the month after he gets it, the the, the costume in Secret Wars, he loses the costume. <laughs> but in between. <laughs> Everybody hated this idea of the Bacchus. They're saying all this hate mail. If, if Spider-Man gets to the class, well, I'm, I'm going to quit. I'll never read Spider-Man again. I'm that, I'll never read Marvel again. Oh. Two, $2.59, you know, we're, we're pulling all these gimmicks to try to, sell the, try to sell this toy book. You know, John Romita decided he was going to take issues off. John Romita Jr. going to take issues off. He didn't want to be part of this thing at that time. Now... Now, nowadays, when he says, "Oh, I was taken off before the big, the big sale," nobody thought this thing was going to be a big sale. Yeah. <laughs> Everybody thought this was going to be a big disaster. <laughs> you know, I ended up prodding Marvel Team Up because the regular writer on Marvel Team Up didn't want to be associated with this thing. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, we, we try all these gimmicks. We're trying to do this stuff, and then the then the sales come in, and I think Secret Wars number one was close to a million copies. And then everybody in the company panics. Oh, this, this, the sales department says, oh, you know, this is going to put all these retailers out of business. They're never going to get rid of this, this turkey. You know, we, we got to do something. So at one point, they, you know, they decided to send me out to California. I'm going to go up and down the California coast to try to sell Secret Wars 1 and Spider-Man 259 because they're going to be such disasters in terms of sales. So I, I arrive on, um, I, I think I, you know, I'm trying to remember the day. I think I, the comic book's released on Wednesday. I arrive on Wednesday. My first store appearance is on Thursday. I show up Thursday. They've already sold out everything. <laughs> all the Secret Wars are gone. All the Spider-Mans are gone. And then they had set up this, this thing where I have to go up and down the coast. Nobody had any copies. Wow. Because they were all sold out. Uh, and then did you have any any idea that this this costume would birth Venom, where it became another phenomenon for no, Marvel? I, I had no idea at the time at all. I mean, when you saw, when they did Venom for the first time, it, were, you, what, did, what did you think of the character? I mean, did you, did you were you like, oh, why is this costume coming back? Why is why are we why are we, we doing this? Well, again? you know, we, we kept bringing the costume back. Yeah. Because 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 everybody loved the costume. So we had this story where we're getting rid of the costume. Shooter comes in and says, oh, don't get rid of the costume. I said, Jim, the issue is on the way to the print now. <laughs> Bring it back. <laughs> so the costume proved to be a very popular thing. Yeah. When, you know, when Spider-Man 300 was coming, I, I remember talking to Mr. Salak up there and saying, you got to do something big for 300. So we'll, we'll, we'll introduce a new supervillain. Then he, it's going to be Venom, the, the symbiote, the, the symbiote, this and that. And I remember looking, going, Venom, the symbiote. What are you kidding me? <laughs> you know, it just goes to show the editor chief never has any idea what's going to sell. <laughs> Big success. Yeah. <laughs> Big success. Um, so fast forwarding an era. Let's talk about Clone Saga. And I'm not, it's not the pile of Clone Saga, but um, you you wrote you wrote the first um, I think Ben Riley as Spider-Man, Amazing Spider-Man. Um, 
or at least I know you wrote a lot of Ben Riley. So, was there a difference in your approach and how you did those stories doing Ben as the as the focal point rather than Peter? Absolutely. Yeah, there were two different people. Right. Well, I mean, what, I mean, what, what, I mean, going uh, into I, you it. Know, uh, you know, right now, I, you know, it's been so many years. I can't tell you. Um, you know, I, I can't tell you the, the differences in terms of their speech or the differences in terms of right. how they approached everything and that sort of stuff. Gotcha. Um, you know, it, it's, you know, uh, a few, I'm going to say four or five years ago, might have been longer, we, we did the Cone Saga, the real story, which right. I, I can tell you that story yeah. uh, later on, but... Um, around that time, I then had to reread all of the all of the Clone Saga stuff to re, to remember the nuances between Ben and Peter. So I immersed myself in it, did those five issues, and then promptly forgot it all. So I, I can't tell you all the differences at this stage of the game. Well, that was kind of leading to the next thing. What you were saying about the uh, the, the original Clone Saga. So if, if the Clone Saga, as it is, as as it was published, too long, right? It was it was too too many. But here's the problem. Here was the problem with the Clone Saga. It was originally supposed to run, I think, three or four months, and you know, maximum clonage, mm -hmm. the the thing that was that was supposed to be the end. That was the end, right. and that's what everybody set it up. And we, we constructed the story. If you look at the story, it's constructed to end right there. Okay? Um, you know, and what happened was uh, Marvel decided to fire me as editor-in-chief. They decided to buy it, their own distributor. Um, the month after they announced that they... You know, we're going to buy their own distributor. Comic book sales fell 40%. Um, now, according to the history books, the Clone Saga was so bad that Spider-Man sales fell 40%. Um, the Clone Saga was so bad that even the sales of Captain America, Fantastic Four, and Superman <laughs> fell 40%. Um, and then, you know, everything plummeted. Because I was on Fantastic Four at the time, so I was there when you know they plummeted and that sort of stuff. Um, and then after the second month, only two books started to recover. There were two two groups of books: the X books and the Spider books. So the Clone Saga, you know, at that time they said, "Wait a minute! The only reason this thing is selling is because of the Clone Saga." So we have to keep this going. And that's what they did. And they just kept going and they kept saying to us, well, we're going to just extend it one more month. We're just going to extend it one more month. And I know that at one point, you know, I had worked out a plot for, I don't know if it was an amazing Spider-Man or what. And I turned in the plot. You know, I spoke to the editor the night before, that night I wrote up the plot, I turned it in the next morning the editor calls me up and he says this is a little thin for two issues and I said 
it's, it's not two issues. It's the next issue. And they said, oh, 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 we didn't tell you. Oh, the sales department decided they want to stretch this into two issues. I said, well, then let me take it back and let me expand it into a two-issue story. And they said, uh, all right, well, before you do that, let's talk to the sales department. And they called me back the next day and they said, um, they actually needed to be four-issue story now. And I said, a four-issue story? I said, listen, guys, I'm not sure this thing is, is a four-issue storyline. I'll have to come up with a couple of other subplots and, I, I, you know, I'll do the best I can. So I worked out an outline and I turned it in and then they said, well, we've got even good news and bad news. This has been accepted, but it's now an eight-issue storyline. <laughs> because the sales department was making all the decisions. Um, what a time. <laughs> now, I will tell you that the, the weird thing for me is at the time I was going crazy, doing the best I could, you know, looking at stories going, wait a minute, I only planned for this to be one issue. They, they stretch it out to two issues or four issues. Um, and I kept thinking, oh man, this is a disaster, this is a disaster. And yet, years later, when I when I had to actually sit down and read those issues, I, I, I kept looking, going, "Well, this is not as bad as I thought. Wow, this actually worked. This is not as bad as I thought." I, I've actually had that moment myself recently. I I, I have been rereading those because you know when I was growing up in the '90s, I, I, I never those 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 comics. I mean, it wasn't even so much. It was the frequency of the stories. The fact that it was a weekly saga and like yeah, you know, it was just too much. I was spending too much money on comic books. I was a teenager. I didn't you know, and I I, I gave up on them. And now I've been going back and rereading them, and I'm like, why did I say think this was so bad? It's 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 not. It's just I, I think it was just kind of more about the environment of the 90s and you know you had the, the foil the chromium the holograms the, the stories that went on for 30 chapters and it, it, it's funny what hindsight does now now you know there was an issue there and the, and this was a turning point issue where where you know Ben Riley finds out you know he's the real guy and Peter's the clone. Now, of course, Ben Riley's uh, best friend conducts the test. Uh, come on, guys. <laughs> and, uh, and in the course of that, Peter and Ben start fighting, and, he, and, and Peter is warning Mary Jane, stay, stay back, stay back. And at one point, she reaches for him and he turns and he spots her. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> okay, this was, oh my God, Peter hit Mary Jane. Now, of course, this is the issue that's supposed to be the turning point where Peter does something to turn the readers against him. Okay, so he actually hits Mary Jane and this and that. How could you do this? How could you possibly have Peter hit Mary Jane? Oh, that's so horrible, this and that. And it is horrible, except how many of us have accidentally bopped somebody, <laughs> have turned and smacked somebody in the face that we certainly would not intend to? Uh, have you ever elbowed your girlfriend not intending to? Or, or you know, or, 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 you, or you're talking and you turn around and you boom, you know, that sort of thing. 
And this thing was the, this was, you know, you know, Tom DeFalco wife beater. <laughs> All right. And nobody could understand how it could possibly happen until they saw the movie Spider-Man 3. <laughs> yeah, okay. That's how it happens, guys. That's exactly how it happens. All right. So when you when you went back to redo or, or to kind of do that mini series, was it five six years ago? About the I mean, was this like reliving a nightmare, or was this? I mean, this whose idea was that? <laughs> this was Howard Mackey's idea. Howard Mackey the bum. All right. Howard Mackey is talking to Ralph Macchio. I'm going to tell you how that thing came around. All right. Howard Mackey is talking to uh, uh, Howard Mackey is talking to, to to Ralph Macchio, and they're talking about things. And he goes, and Howard says, you know, I'm going through my old notebooks. I found the the, the note, you know, the plan for the original Clone Saga. And Howard says, you got the plans for the original Clone Saga? He says, yeah. He goes, wow, that's kind of cool. And Howard says, yeah, yeah. And then, um, uh, you know, they, they finish their conversation up, and Ralph then, for some reason, talks to Joe Casada, calls Howard back. He says, hey, listen, Joe would really like to see that because we might want to re- redo, you know, this on the original notes. And Howard says, hey, not so fast. Why should I give you my notes so you can assign it to somebody else? Says Tom and I are figuring, are, are planning on, on, um, on uh, uh, making a proposal to do a limited series. And, 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 uh, and uh, Ralph Macchio says, so you and Tom are planning on doing a, a limited series with this? Says, yeah, yeah. He says, let me talk to Joe. So he goes and talks to Joe. And he call, calls Howard back. He says, listen, Joe's interested in seeing your proposal. He says, if you guys want to do it. He says, yeah, yeah, uh, I got to talk to Tom. And Ralph says, you got to talk to Tom. Let me talk to Tom. And he hangs up and he calls me up. And I, I'm sitting at home, you know, probably sleeping. I don't know. Maybe drunk. I, who, who knows? <laughs> Having a pizza. And Ralph Macchio calls me up and he says, hey, I understand you and Howard are working on something. I said, um, me and Howard? And I, I said, Howard Mackey? He goes, yeah. I go, yeah, sure, we're working on something. I don't know what's going on. He says, so, so you guys are going to, you know, because he says, I was talking to Howard. He says, you're going to put a pitch together. Oh, yeah, yeah, we're, we're going to put a pitch together. Yeah, the two of us. I'm thinking... I, I, you know, I've got no idea what's going on. And, uh, and, 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 and Ralph says to me, okay, good. So you're, you're going to do a pitch to do the original Clone Saga. And I said, the what? <laughs> and, and Ralph says, I knew he was lying to me. And he hangs up the phone. So I, what the heck? So I call Howard, and Howard says, listen, I'm just talking to Ralph. I said, yeah, me too. He goes, <laughs> he goes they want us to do a proposal for the original Colson. this or that. I said, why would we want to do that? He says, I have the original notes. I said, good, but why would we want to do that? And he says, come on, we'll, we'll, we'll do that. They're interested. I said, he says, come on, we'll work together again, because we had more together in years. We'll, we'll do it. We'll, we'll have a good time. I go, oh, God. Let me call Ralph back. So I call Ralph back. I said, I just talked to Howard. He says, are you going to do it? I said, yeah. 
Yeah, we're going to do it. He says, okay, the first plot is, in, is doing three weeks. <laughs> he says, it's already been approved. <laughs> I said, let me, let me call Howard back. <laughs> and that's how we did, did that. Now, naturally, because we did it in six issues, it was an abbreviated thing. But that essentially is what, what had been planned. Well, Tom, we really do appreciate you taking the time. You want to let let our listeners know what you're working, what you're up to right now in, in comic book world or elsewhere or anything else? Well, by the way, well, uh, in the comic book world, nothing that I can talk about. Uh, and in the uh, the non comic book world, more pizza. What more pizza? I'm not, you know, <laughs> in the in the non comic book world, nothing. You know, I, I write under other names, so you know, and because I don't want Marvel or DC to take advantage of those names. Understood. You know, they're you know, we, we'd rather pass on that. And Excellent. and 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 you had a whole Spider podcast, and you didn't bring up the most important thing about Spider Man. Okay. Spider Girl. I actually have that question. Do you want to talk a little bit about about the genesis of Spider Girl? I just didn't want to take too, uh, too much of your time here. Well, you already took up too much of my okay. time. <laughs> I'm just gonna have to charge extra. <laughs> All right, the, the Genesis Spider Girl is easy. Uh, a, a lot of times, while I was working on the Clone Saga, uh, like I said, I was not happy with the work and I was not happy with the situation. And we knew Mary Jane was was pregnant, so I thought, you know, what if they, you know, what if they have a have a little girl, and she, and someday she grows up to be Spider Girl. And I kept thinking about that, thinking about that. After I was taken off the Spider-Man books and that sort of stuff, I was assigned to write What If. So I thought, what if, you know, what if, you know, what if Peter's daughter became Spider-Girl? What if there was a Spider-Girl? I called Ron friends up and I said, hey, you know, Ron, who was doing Superman at the time, I said, Ron, how'd you like to do a What If with me? And he goes, love to. What is it? I said, you know, what if Peter and Mary Jane had a spider girl? And he goes, what are you, out of your mind? <laughs> I said, come on, it'll be a fun thing. And I started talking to him. We started working out a story. And this, this. So he said, okay. So we came up with the story. We did it. Ron, because he's, he is, you know, an absolute professional. Um, you know, has to design all these characters, design what Mary Jane looks, design what Mayday looks like, everything else like that. You know, we, we realized, okay, where's the Fantastic Four at this time? Where's the Avengers? We design all this stuff. And we do our issue of What If. And then we started to work on a Thor Thunderstrike What If. Um, but the title I was working on was What If. And all I was working on was coming up with ideas for What If. Now, when we did the Spider-Girl story, Ryan and I liked it and said, you know what, maybe we can do another one some year. And I said, yeah, maybe, because I figured, hey, you know, there had been sequels to What If stories, and maybe next year we'll do another another one, maybe. We'll, we'll see We'll see if we're still on What If when that happens. But we had only intended it to be a one-shot. Now, everybody knows that, you know, and then later on, I guess it's, it sold so well, they said, hey, Bob Harris said to me, hey, 
you know that what if you did so very well and I said which one the Thor one he said no the spider girl one and I know you guys prepared to do a series and I said what makes you think we're I saw all those sketches that Ron did oh okay he says but we're thinking about you know doing another line of comics would you do you think you could do like 12 issues of spider girl I said yeah I guess he says but we're going to need two other titles you know Maybe, uh, you know, maybe the Avengers and, and that little juggernaut. And I said, little juggernaut? He says, yeah, in, in the panel there was a little juggernaut. I said, oh, oh, oh yeah, little juggernaut. <laughs> and I, I called up Ron. I said, we're going to do Spider-Girl, the Avengers, and little juggernaut. And he goes, who the heck is little juggernaut? I said, he's the guy in the back background. Says, That's the real juggernaut. Not anymore. From now on, he's little juggernaut. <laughs> what do you uh, What do you attribute to the uh, like continuing success of that book? Because it lasted a, a long time for like a spinoff series. What, what do you attribute to like what the fan base sees on that story? I I I think that we were doing something. You know, we were doing done in one stories that were based on on characters that you wanted to spend time with and i've always said to everybody whenever you're doing a book the characters have to be people you want to spend time with because you as the creative people are going to be spending you know uh, you know uh, months at a time working on these characters and the readers they have to want to spend time. So, you know, it's what I do with every book is I, it, it's all character, 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 and structure, structure, structure. You make characters that people care about, and then you give them real stories. Um, and, and that's what we did. Now, you guys heard the rumors that Spider Girl didn't sell, right? Yes, kind of. Yeah, did you believe those rumors? Well, they kept making them, so... Yeah, Spider-Girl didn't sell it, yet Marvel published it for 13 years because they're such swell guys, <laughs> you know? <laughs> Come on! Come on! <laughs> you know? And there, and there is a, a segment of the fan base that's very passionate about it. Yeah, yeah. Well, the Spider-Girl... Digest books were Marvel's best-selling trade paperbacks. They sold so well that Marvel said, hey, we, we need to use that name for a brand new character, yeah. which didn't last 13 issues. That's a separate issue. Right. Well, Tom, again, thank you. I, mean, I, I think, did we, did we cover everything now? Or, well, I know not everything. But we, we, we'd have to be here all day to cover everything, right? But uh, One day? You think my legendary career you could cover in a single day? What, are weekend? you guys crazy? A whole weekend? Come on, you need months to cover my career. You know? You let us know when. <laughs> Thanks again, Tom. We really appreciate it. All right. Thank you. amazing friend. So thanks again to the legendary Tom DeFalco for taking the time to speak to us, and please be on the lookout for all five of our Superior Aspire Talk and Friends episodes as they get released in the near future. 
featuring all of our other interviews from the event. Uh, next up is uh, Danny Figueroff, who is both a writer and editor uh, on Spider-Man from the uh, 80s and 90s. And that's another fun. I mean, these were all fun interviews, but Danny, Danny had a lot of knowledge, and I'm really looking forward to you guys hearing that one. Yeah, and Danny's one of the nicest guys I think I've ever met. Yeah, I think that that goes without question. Uh, this just, you know, very, very friendly and engaging and, you know, likes to likes likes to be a part of the conversation, it seems. Yeah, there's something about, I think, being on Spider-Man titles. Maybe maybe it makes you a nice guy, although I don't I bet there's an equal number of uh, of instances otherwise. Yeah. <laughs> I would say, what explained Tom to Falco? No, I'm kidding, Tom. Tom. Again, we, we, we love you. You, you, were, you, were, you were true to the legendary uh, moniker that you carry. Uh, <laughs> so why don't we, why don't we take, it, uh, take it to the finish here, Dan? Okay, Mark, that sounds fine. So why don't you tell me where we can find you on the Internet? Well, you can find me at my homepage, which is ChasingAmazingBlog.com. You can follow me on Twitter at ChasingASMBlog. Like my Facebook page at facebook.com slash chasing amazing. And of course, read my weekly column on 90s Chromium Comics, which Danny Figueroa had a lot to do with back in the heyday, and Tom DeFalco when he was Marvel editor in chief uh, at Comics Should Be Good, Gimmick, or Good. And you can follow me on Twitter at, at Dan Gavazdin. And if you don't know how to spell that, all you have to do is look up Mark, and I'm pretty sure I'm not too far away. <laughs> and you can read my reviews of movies and lists and Netflix recommendations on my website, grindmyreels.com. And you can find all of our Superior Spider Talk podcasts at superiorspidertalk.podomatic.com or find us on iTunes, which I think is preferential, by searching Superior Spider Talk or really just Spider Man, and you'll find us straight away. And if you do, please be sure to leave us a rating and a comment on iTunes to let us know how we're doing and we'll be sure to read it on the air on our next normal podcast. And Sounds if you have good. any opinions on these comics or any questions, please email them to us at superiorspiretalk at gmail.com and we're going to address and read them on the air. Sounds good to me, Dan. Sorry, I almost chimed in on you there. Uh, so again, be, be on the lookout for the Danny Figueroth podcast to come next. And of course, as our Uncle Ben always told us, with great podcasts comes Superior Spider Talk. Mm-hmm.